Hello, welcome to River Road Presbyterian Church. This podcast is an audio-only version of Pastor Ray Roberts' weekly sermon. Whether you missed worshiping with us this week, dozed off during the sermon, or are just checking us out for the first time, we welcome you to our River Road family. For those of you who may be new, we would love to have you visit with us. We have two worship services each Sunday, a 9 a.m. informal service and an 11 a.m. traditional worship service that is also live-streamed. You can find that stream, recordings of past services, and learn more about our church and the many ways for you to connect with us at rrpcusa.org. We hope to see you soon. I want to start off this morning with a little bit of a disclaimer, and that is um, yesterday I spent most of the day saying goodbye to my dog, So, um, which was pretty hard. Some of you were at the party Thursday night, and you got to see what a wonderful dog she was. She's a fabulous dog, and it was hard to say goodbye, and I was going to be polishing the sermon yesterday, and you're just going to get the raw bits, so, um, and, which, which maybe is a shame, because this passage is, has been very, very influential in the development of a Christian ethic about the world in which we live. This passage is one of the most important passages, in fact. Uh, outsized influence. Some passages don't have much influence. This passage, people have really thought about, and we're going to talk a little bit about that when we talk about Augustine in just a little bit. But, um, and uh, the other thing I want to say about the sermon titles is that um, I kind of like the Puritans. Um, the great historian Perry Miller once said, you know, people talk about Puritans as being bad people. Nobody knows who the Puritans were. We think the Puritans wore black. Uh, no, they didn't wear black. They wore wild, vivid colors. Did you know that? We think Puritans wore stovepipe hats. Nope. Nope, they didn't. In fact, they put feathers in their hats a lot of times. Uh, the Puritans were the, were, the, were the people who really favored democracy back in those days. That was, that was liberal. Oh, my goodness. You know, when you got a monarchy. Uh, the Puritans were... Some people think the Puritans didn't drink. Um, in Perry Miller's words, and I think this is a direct quote, that the bills for uh, rum at ordination services were staggering. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we don't know the Pur- I like the Puritans, actually. have a lot to say. But I'm going to talk about Puritans in the sermon a little bit later on. So, but I'm not entirely against them. I'm one of them. Uh, here we go. Matthew 13, beginning with verse 24. Really important passage. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds. Now what's interesting here is that the word for weeds is not a general word referring to weeds like If you want to kill weeds with Roundup, it's a particular kind of weed. It's zizania. Zizania. So so it reads, An enemy came and sowed zizania among the wheat. That's really a better translation. And then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, and then the weeds appeared as well, and the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, Did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? And he answered, An enemy has done this. And the slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? 
But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. We're skipping ahead to verse 36 if you're reading along. And his disciples approached him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. And just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect them out of his kingdom, all causes of sin and evildoers. And they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. May God bless this reading of Holy Scripture. Gracious God, may the words that I speak and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and redeemer. Amen. In our parable, a sower went out to sow. And he sowed good wheat seeds. And then that night, an enemy sowed weed seeds among the wheat. And as I said earlier... The Greek word translated as weed is not the general word for weed that you would use for all weeds. It is a particular kind of plant that is being planted. It is no ordinary dandelion. It is no ordinary piece of clover. It is zizania, commonly called also cockerel or darnel. Other weeds are bad because they compete with the wheat for sunlight or nutrients and water, but Darnell is worse because it carries a fungus, ergot, that can infect the wheat. And if you consume this fungus, it can cause hallucinations and even death. I mean, you don't want other weed seeds in your fields, but you really don't want zizania. You really don't want this weed. This is a really bad weed, a toxic weed. No wonder, then, that the servants, when they see this weed growing among the wheat, come and ask the master, do you want us to pull it up? you want us to pull it up? And the master says, maybe surprisingly, the master says, no. Let them grow, and we're going to, because if you pull it up, you'll destroy the wheat. We'll separate it at harvest. Now, I want to suggest to you that this parable counsels a kind of realism. Three bits of realism. Three bits, of course, because it's a three-point sermon. <laughs> but three bits of realism that uh, I think are really, really helpful as we think about the problem of evil. And the first bit of realism about, is about the persistence of evil. And that is, there are going to be weeds. There are going to be weeds. They're going to be toxic. It is not only that they're going to be weeds, the weeds are going to be there, it's, it's that the weeds are also growing and competing with the wheat, competing against the good. 
That's how evil is. This is not a parable about progress where the wheat are going to win. Yay, wheat! going to crowd out the weeds. That's not what this parable is about. This is about the persistence of the weeds. We have a very, very sober assessment about the world in which we live and which we will always confront good and evil, side by side until harvest. That is when Jesus comes. In fact, uh, part of the outsized influence of this parable goes back to a guy named St. Augustine, 3rd century theologian uh, who was very, very influential on the church. And he talks about this parable to talk about the time in which we live. He said that we live in a secular age. In fact, he's the one who gave us the word secular. He's the one who, the word in Latin, of course, seculum. Our time between Christ's coming and Christ's return is the seculum. It's a secular age. And by this, he did not mean what a lot of people mean by secular, which means it's godless and terrible. No, that's not what he meant. What Augustine meant by secular is that we live in an age where there's a mixture of good and evil that will be sorted out at the harvest, at the end of the age. But until the harvest... We live in a time of mixture where there's good and evil mixed together, growing side by side, and some of it's pretty toxic. That's what he meant by secular. So when they go to somebody said, is, is Barbie secular? Because <laughs> they're going to see the Barbie movie this afternoon. I said, well, yes. They said, that's oh, bad. I said, no, no, it's a mixture. So you'll have to be discerning. Anyway. Uh, secular age. We live in a secular age. Uh, the, this persistence of the weeds. You're always going to face weeds everywhere you go. I'm sorry. Uh, I've, I've gardened in lots of different places. In every place I've ever gardened. I'm a big gardener, some of you know. When I was a little kid, I had to weed. And now I've got a new garden. Guess what? There are weeds. Weeds every place. So, persistence of the weeds. This parable counsels a second bit of realism. By naming this particular weed, the darnel, Jesus reminds us that it is hard to tell evil from the good. Because the tricky thing about this weed is that it's not like dandelions in the lawn. When I was a kid, growing up in Farmington, Missouri, and having to weed my parents' garden, they gave me this little tool. And I'd go out and dig and try to get out the dandelion, and he had to get the whole root. And you could tell where the dandelions were in the lawn because they didn't look like grass. But that's not how it is with Zizania. That's not how it is with Darnell. Darnell does not look like dandelions. Cockerel does not look like clover. Both wheat and darnel are grasses. Grasses. Darnel starts out looking like the wheat. And maybe uh, on close examination, the servants could tell. But you get into weeding, you're not going to be able to tell. It's kind of like when I moved to Virginia and I discovered this thing called wiregrass. Any of you ever dealt with any wiregrass? Uh, give me dandelions any day. Uh, you get wiregrass in the lawn. I remember trying to pull it up. And it's like, you know what happens? Pull up the whole lawn. Good grass too. You can't pull it up. And that's how it is with evil. It looks a lot like good. And this is a big piece of realism that we ought to be thinking about. Evil looks like good. And it's not just that evil cloaks itself in the good. 
and pretends. You know, usually when evil presents itself, it's not like in the movies, like, let's go do bad things to people and make them suffer. That's usually not how evil... Evil always justifies itself in the name of some larger good thing. That's why Samuel Johnson, the great writer, British writer, said, patriotism is the last refuge for scoundrels. Is patriotism good? Yes, it's good. That's why it's a refuge. Blaise Pascal, the mathematician, philosopher, Christian, once said that people do never do evil so completely and cheerfully as when they do it from religious conviction. You know, that's a, that's a quote that makes me stay up at night. <laughs> if you're a pastor, you know, they never do evil so cheerfully as when they do it from religious conviction. Well, that doesn't sound very good, but it's, but it's the very nature of evil. The Nazis did not sell the Holocaust by saying, let's build some nightmare factories. They said it was the final solution. And they said, big lie, the problem is the Jews. But we'll solve it. Putin is selling war in Ukraine on the idea of building the glorious Russian Empire. Glorious Russian Empire. He's selling it by defending the motherland against NATO. He's selling it that he's defending Christianity against a, a, a West that's corrupt. He's selling it as wiping out Nazis. And any one of those things might be a good thing if it was true. And here at home, evil will always be sold not as evil, but as mom and apple pie and law and order and, I hate to say it, even Christianity. So that's how it is. There is a reason the Bible calls Satan the father of lies. Because deception is in the very nature of evil. And in fact, Augustine thought that Satan was a fallen angel and the worst anything could ever be is a corrupted good, a creature. Not an opposite principle against God. Not a dualism. Evil is just a corrupted good. And so, of course, it's going to be alluring and attractive. And this is why Jesus said that we must be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. first bit of realism is that they're going to be weeds and the second bit of realism is that the weeds can look a lot like the wheat but the third piece of realism is maybe the hardest to accept at least that's the hardest part that I find to accept Jesus says you can't pull them up I don't like that can't pull them up yes the Darnell misdirects the resources and bears toxic fruit it would be better if it wasn't there, but you can't pull it up because if you pull it up, you'll destroy the wheat. You know, it, it can be very discouraging if you're into sowing good seed to see the weeds growing as well. I'm a gardener. I know all about that. It is discouraging to see weeds growing. I don't like them. It can be... So 
especially when you consider that they can be toxic, can be, provoke rage and fury. And while we want to tear into the terrors, Jesus says no. And Jesus gives us two reasons not to tear into the terrors. And the first is that attempts at purification can do more harm to the wheat than the darnel does. Dig out the darnel and there goes the wheat. You'll do more harm than good. You'll destroy the very thing you're trying to protect. And throughout history, zealots have pursued programs of purification. And the clarity of vision that they have has come with a kind of blindness. And they have done great harm in, in the attempt to do something good. They've destroyed the very thing they've tried to protect. They've discredited themselves and their cause. Jesus is saying the perfect can be the enemy of the good. You're just going to have these weeds and the, you're just going to have them until the harvest. But that's the second piece of news. And, it's, and here Jesus moves us off the realism about sin into the hope that we have in Christ. There is going to be harvest. There is going to be a sorting. You and I live in a moral universe in which God is going to figure it out. Despite the persistence of evil, despite the way it mimics good, despite the damage it can do, Jesus tells us that there will be a harvest. And at the harvest, the fruits will be revealed and there will be judgment. You know, God's judgment is frequently thought of as just being a negative thing, but it's also a hopeful thing. I think God's judgment says that this world which can seem just messed up God's going to set it right there's going to be a sorting out God is keeping count and while we will never have perfect justice in this life and while the wheat and the tares are going to grow side by side there will be justice and wrongs will be righted and there will be an accounting and evil will be no more. And, I'm going to put it, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. That's the vision. That the wheat will be growing there without the weeds. This is the hope we have in Christ. That even though we live through a time where we're not going to fix everything, there's a time when it will be fixed. Because God is our judge. So when you're discouraged, maybe angry about the evil you see, remember that God has got this. Have some faith. Let us pray. Gracious God, it is dismaying to see weeds growing among the wheat. We feel helpless when we can't get in there and root them out without causing more damage. Lord, give us the wisdom to know what we can do and what we can't do, for we know this is not a counsel to, to turn our face against injustice and suffering. We know that you call us to care just as Jesus cared, but help us also to know our limits so that in our pursuit of purification, we do not become the very thing we hate. 
that in our attempt to protect the wheat, we destroy it. Give us wisdom, the wisdom of this parable, so that we may live as your people, now and forever. Amen.